Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Backstage at Platt House. I'm your host, Jaden Klubeck. This podcast was recorded on May 20th, 2021. I'm excited to introduce to you members of the SACS Program for Arts Innovation at the University of Pennsylvania. Hi, everyone. Thank you very much for having us. My name is John McInerney. I'm the director of the SACS Program, and I use he and him. Hi, thank you again for having us. Um, my name is Tamara Suber. I'm an administrative assistant for the SACS Program, and I use she and her. Great. Um, I'd also like to thank you for having us. This is a real pleasure. Um, my name is Chloe Risen. I'm the associate director of the SACS program. I use she and her pronouns. Um, I'm also an alum of the university. I received my MFA um, in the Weitzman School in 2012. And I'll just do a plug for Tamara. She's also an alum and received her MFA in 2011. Fantastic. All right. With that, love to just jump right in. Um, can we just have a brief description of the, the SACS program, kind of uh, what y'all do? Sure. So um, we are a program that supports the arts across the university. Um, we were founded in 2017 by a gift from alumni Keith and Catherine Sachs. They had um, supported the arts at Penn prior to this, but they really wanted to um, provide a gift to the university that would support the arts in a much more holistic way. And um, so our program was born. We, um, we provide grants to students, faculty, staff to develop new courses in the arts, to pursue artistic projects, um, to present uh, performances and other public-facing arts initiatives. We communicate about the arts, what's happening on campus, as well as what's happening in um, the wonderful city of Philadelphia, because there's so much art going on in Philadelphia, too. We want to really promote more porous boundaries between the university and the city um, and to encourage um, our community to really experience the arts and all that Philadelphia has to offer. So um, that's sort of generally what we do. You know, we're a new program and so we're growing and we're, we're each year, I think, really adding to our, our remit, adding to um, what our, our mission is and, and the ways in which we support the arts at Penn. Amazing. Great. Thank you, Chloe. So I just like to ask, um, what has it been like uh, this past year for for the SACS program, um, like dealing with the pandemic, dealing with everything else going on in the world? Uh, and uh, yeah, I just love to hear kind of how y'all uh, kind of pivoted in this time. Sure. Um, I think that we have done an excellent job of in this challenging time, continuing to support our community, our Penn community, and even now expanding to try and reach beyond our Penn community, um, uh, working within the community, particularly trying to focus on our arts engagement in the West Philadelphia community. But some programs that first was our Ben Art Bucks program, which we provide small grants for students that can range from, I want to make a painting to, I want to... Um, um, I had this small idea for this project, a photo project, anything that's artistically inclined that students are interested in. We were able to, even from afar, support students. So that was really exciting. Um, and that can be up to $250 for students. And so it doesn't have the same application process as our larger grants. So that was really nice that we were able to still support students in that way. Um, we also had responsive grants, which given everything that's going on right now, we were able to address some of the needs in our larger community um, in terms of 
supporting communities that are underserved and that need that extra support right now. We had our Black Artists uh, Responsive Grant, which is a really big success, which we also were to, able to expand it to our alumni, which was really exciting. Um, so we just were able to still reach a lot of people um, and really support communities that that needed it the most. Um, also, we recently had our um, Asian and Pacific Islander uh, responsive grant, which was great because um, we're in the adjudication process for that right now. And it, we've had so many uh, inquiries for that. So it's just wonderful to see people really applying and, and we, we're looking forward to giving that extra support. That's amazing. Chloe? Yeah, no, I just, um, thank you, Tamara. That is great. I just wanted to add to that. I think one thing we've noticed this year with Ben Art Bucks in particular um, is the the nature of the things that students are um, requesting support for. In the past, Ben Art Bucks has, I think, served two purposes. One, it's, um, it's given people support to do their own projects, like Tamara said, painting, um, other forms of um, artistic practice, um, performance specifically, we've um, supported a number of um, plat performing arts house groups through our Ben Art Bucks program. Um, but this year, um, what was different, um, I think, primarily is that we weren't also supporting people seeing and experiencing art. That's been, a, I think, a large um, portion of our Ben Art Bucks requests have actually been around the experiencing of art um, in addition to the making of art. And so that that's one thing that we did we did notice. I mean, inevitably, that was going to change. But um, I think that's something that we, you know, we hope Ben Art Bucks can in the future support. Again, we very much want to be supporting the production of art and the presentation of art, but we also want to be encouraging people to experience art. And that, of course, changed for everyone this year. Yeah. And speaking of kind of how things have, have changed, I'm curious, how has each of your views of the performing arts changed uh, during uh, this pandemic this past year? Well, I guess I, I can jump in real quick. I mean, we're definitely um, very aware that the pandemic has been particularly difficult for the performing arts. Um, you know, the Annenberg Theater, where we're based, where our offices are, they were able to do some live streams, but you know, they had to cancel their entire season. Many museums have been able to open up and to accept visitors, but it's been very difficult for theaters and music venues to do the same. So um, we're, we're, we're very you know, concerned about that and particularly going forward this year, we really wanna do everything we can to help those communities come back as strong as possible. I think I'll just add to that, you know, one thing um, that has been interesting um, uh, to see and experience this year is the the various ways that performing arts venues, groups, practitioners have utilized the virtual space. And, you know, while there are many limits to virtual space and there are, of course, things that you can't recreate and you, um, you know, you, you, you just can't capture um, you know, that feeling of what it's like to be in a performance venue with a full audience and everyone is, you know, clapping, you know, there's things that you miss inevitably. But there are also things that have been beneficial uh, that we've seen from this, you know, shift to virtual space. Uh, performances have been more accessible to certain communities. Um, and, you know, it will be interesting to see how performance practitioners, performance venues, um, if and how they continue to use um, virtual space moving forward. And, you know, will we be seeing more of a hybrid model? I mean, I think to John's point, we want to do everything we can to 
continue to um, support these communities and help them get back on their feet as they return to, you know, in real life and as they, you know, are able to engage audiences again in physical space. Um, But I think we also, you know, would um, encourage everyone to be thinking about engagement more broadly. And, you know, is there opportunity to um, pursue hybrid models that can engage more audiences? Yeah. You know, I I would mention one of the projects that we were able to fund this year uh, that both is a mix of documentary and performance, but is also um, a great uh, effort to document what has happened this year, which is uh, a project called Queers in Quarantine Love Stories. So it's uh, it's going to be a website that features a variety of performances, podcasts, comics that document um, queer love stories that Blossom began or ended during quarantine. So I, I think it's a great example of how the performing arts are going to be a really important resource as people process what's happening right now and reflect and try to document everything that's happening. Um, one other is um, uh, Penn Nursing is going to work with a theater company to document uh, healthcare workers, frontline workers' stories um, from the pandemic and translate them into theater. So I think the performing arts is going to be a real, not only do they have to recover, but I think they're going to um, be a really important part of everyone's recovery because they're going to help us document and process what everyone's been through. Yeah. A useful outlet for, for us all right now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And that's actually one also, uh, one, uh, one part about this project, this podcast is really uh, to act as a, an agent for, for reflection and, uh, and for healing as well. And uh, both of those project projects you mentioned, John sound incredible. So I'm curious uh, especially uh, since since y'all have been uh, working this this past year in the performing arts, what has been like kind of the biggest lesson learned going forward? Um, I I would say it's um, to be flexible um, as much as possible. Um, you know, I think that uh, what we've learned in terms of um, support um, for the arts is that. Um, as much as we can, if we can err on the side of flexibility, we should, um, both in terms of um, the, you know, the kinds of support that we can offer, the timeline for that support, um, in, in, in any other way you can you know, think of um, who we can support through our grants, um, given that we are a university program, our, you know, our directive is to support members of the Penn community, but we've also it's important to us that we are supporting the wider Philadelphia community as well. And so how can we promote partnerships between the university and Philadelphia practitioners, Philadelphia organizations, um, community groups? And yeah, I I think flexibility is key and um, responsiveness too. you know, trying to respond to the needs of our community. For sure. Students have also mentioned flexibility as a, as a very important uh, thing that, I've learned and uh, others have learned as well uh, throughout the pandemic, trying to create art as well as trying to facilitate it. Yeah, we this year uh, was the first year where we offered student grants twice a year instead of once a year. And we found that was really helpful. Um, it allows uh, students to you know plan something out with a, a, a shorter timeline. Normally in our process, 
you apply one year and then the project happens the next year. But we realize with students, their their timelines are really much much tighter than that. So I think I think that was really successful, and I it's kind of another example of trying to be flexible in terms of how we provide resources and support. I'd love to hear kind of just on a on a personal note, um, what has been encouraging or discouraging or surprising about this past year in the performing arts for all of you? Uh, feelings or loss or silver linings that you may not have expected? Uh, you know, this is a loaded question, so you could decide to take on any part of it, encouraging, discouraging, or surprising. I'll just mention that um, we were able to support one performance this year. Uh, the Annenberg Center put a tent outside in their plaza and so a lot of the groups did rehearsals and performances there and we worked with the group pen records and so they were yeah. a lot of diff different independent groups and they put together three um uh, a singer songwriter a duet and then a band and they had a performance out in the plaza and we had about 75 students come out and i have to say everyone was just so ecstatic to be in a safe communal space hearing live performance and the applause was very emotional for me to hear to hear that applause and to hear people respond to that and so um that that was really that was one thing that was very positive that that stood out for me hmm. i think that um generally just and chloe talked about this earlier just the ability to you know uh i was personally surprised at, um, you know, I have a passion for being in person with people and connecting with people, but I was surprised at how I was able to find myself connecting with so many spaces and events that I would have never had the opportunity to do prior to COVID just because I had that access. So I, you know, I, I feel like I learned so much about so many different spaces and, and groups that now I'm excited to go see in person um, because I wouldn't have had that, those, some of those, you know, intimate experiences and I was able to attend things more than once. And it was just, it was nice. Once I settled into <laughs> accepting virtual uh, interaction, I, I felt it, um, felt it to be a great um, tool for me to learn about so many different spaces and so many different groups and to see so much that I, I wouldn't have had the chance to see. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll sort of continue that thread, Tamara. Um, I, you know, I realized about myself this um, during the pandemic, just how how much I like being out in the world and um, experiencing things and how much I, um, I really miss that. Um, but at the same time, I had a child amidst all of this and um, at a time where it would have been hard for me regardless to... Um, to um, go out and experience art. I, some things were actually made more accessible to me. Um, and so I, you know, I did appreciate that. Um, I did appreciate that, um, you know, virtual space does offer wider accessibility for whatever your reason is. Um, but if, if you're not able to, you know, venture out into the world, there, you know, there is this, still this option to engage. And I think that we will probably see people um, continuing some some aspect of, of virtual presentations because of that. And we've heard people talk about that too, that in-person events um, where, you know, they used to have limited audiences. Now, you know, they're, they're having 
um, you know, full full Zoom rooms because, um, you know, people who couldn't access those before now can. And um, that is interesting. And I think that is um, a silver lining of all of this. That said, I'm really excited to get back out there in the world and, you know, experience things um, in person again, too. Yeah. And I think that is a great segue uh, to a question I like to ask with all of my podcast guests, which is, what are you most looking forward to? Uh, this can be in the short term or in the long term. Going to New York. <laughs> <laughs> I just, um, I don't know. That's been on my mind um, recently. Um, you know, going to see performances in New York, going to museums in New York, it just feels like um, the last time I did that, it was a whole other, whole other world. And, um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, it, it's going, I think at the point at which I feel like I can, you know, comfortably do that again, it's like, that's, that's when I'll feel like things are back to normal. I have to piggyback off of you, Chloe. I, I'm looking forward to, um, what happens even after an event, like you get to talk to people mm -hmm. about what their experience was when they saw whatever was going on or, and, and shared experience, I think is really fun um, because you kind of vibe off of everyone's energy. And I'm really looking forward to that. And I also have a young child who, um, you know, the pandemic was really challenging for him, like virtual didn't work at all for him. And so um, now him being able to like get back into the world and, and he's so tangible, he wants to lick everything and touch everything. And it's like, I won't have to like hold my breath as much. Um, that's something I'm looking forward to. How old are your kids now? Three. Three. And mine's nine months. Wow. Oh, imagine what it's going to be like if they listen to this years later. I know. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. That is going to be nice. Yeah. Uh, are, are you looking forward to anything? Uh, well, I am. I actually today bought my first tickets to see a live music performance. Oh, let's uh, go. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not till it's not till October, but, um, you know, I've always loved live music. And so being able to see, um, you know, a performance in a large venue safely with a lot of people and someone you really admire and a group that you follow that's going to be really awesome i'm going to go see big thief i don't know if you ever heard that what, uh, what is it uh, they're like a in uh, like a pop band pop rock band um uh, female vocalist has a really distinctive voice um yeah awesome great okay and i'm i'm curious uh, since we've kind of touched on this topic of like historical preservation and kind of thinking about uh the future uh, <laughs> At Platt House, uh, we're hoping to create a historical archive to remember this past year as a community. And I I'm curious, um, uh, for anyone who's interested, uh, if you were to put something in the his this historical archive, uh, what, what do you think it would be and why? And this can be a physical thing or it can be a digital thing. Uh, it could really be anything. And it's non-binding. You're not expected to actually put it in if you don't want to, but it's a just a question for reflection. I'm sure people have said this already, but it just feels like this whole, you know, um, 14 months, year and a half have been defined by um, sort of this this um, this Zoom like experience, right? That um, you know, this is 
this is how I conduct my meetings. This is how I, um, you know, see family members. This is also how I've, you know, how I've experienced um, performance as well. And um, so, you know, if you could package that up, that kind of experience up, it feels like that, that has defined this year for me. Um, that's the first thing that comes to my mind beyond the obvious, which would be a mask, but I'm sure, I'm sure there's tons of masks in your archive already. Hand cleaner. Hand. <laughs> I actually, you know, there's one particular face mask. Um, there was a show at the ICA. It's an artist named Milford Graves. He's a drummer mm-hmm. and a musician. Um, he was in his 80s when the show opened. He was he was painting pieces like the days during the show. They were even adding pieces during the run of the show. And um, he participated in some Zoom talks, which actually was a real kind of silver lining because he um, he was quite sick. And so he was never able to travel. He lives in New York. He was never able to travel to Philadelphia to see the show. But because of the you know ubiquity of Zoom, he was able to participate in all these talks and he really kind of blossomed in that format. And he's a really sweet guy. And so I think a lot of people got to experience him and they did create a, um, a, a mask sort of for the exhibition. So uh, that's definitely one. And you know what? I, it's funny too, because I was like, Oh, I'm going to save this. And I mm-hmm. left it in my car and my wife uh, went out and she didn't have a mask. She's like, oh, he's got one in here. And she opened it up. And I was like, oh, no, you opened up the mask. But I'm still going to save that one. That's going to be the one I hold on to um, to remember, you know, him and everything. That's great. And I think maybe uh, probably my, my text, my communication, just conversations I've had with people. Um, I feel like personally i'm not the same person i was before covid i feel like Mm -hmm. this experience has pushed me at times to feel like this is this is really challenging and also out of that i feel like pushed me to be a better person Mm -hmm. and um to really grow and i feel like it's kind of forced us to slow down and kind of look internally in so many ways and i just i can see a lot of friends and, and family, people have grown um, internally and spiritually, emotionally. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think uh, some of those conversations about that that growth and those discoveries, I feel like I would like to preserve. For sure. And uh, I'd love to give you all uh, an opportunity, uh, I guess, to share with our listeners, both in the, the present and in the future. Uh, like if, say it's like five years from now or 10 years from now, uh, it's a Chloe and Tamara's kids are are, are grown are grown up now. Uh, I'd love to ask, how would you describe this past year to uh, to them? Uh, like, what what words would you use to describe it? I know that's maybe a it may be a loaded question. But, uh, I'm very curious, and I understand your answer may change in years from now. Uh, but I think it'd be great to have it on the record. Uh, as of now, how you're feeling in this moment? It's a grounding, um, uh, like brave, um, vulnerable, um, sincere, uh, um, simple at times, complicated. Yeah. Those are great responses. 
this year has really underscored for me that um, sort of even in isolation, there are ways to um, uh, stay connected to one's community. And I, I know that what was really important to me was to really seek out um, sort of ways to kind of um, just be more aware of what's going on in my community, to stay connected with community members. Um, and so I, I feel like this this sort of push and pull between um, isolation and connection has sort of defined the year for me. And that's, I think, how I would describe it for my son in the future, that um, while we were all, you know, sort of alone in our households, we found ways to still show up as a community. Um, and I think that you see that in the ways that um, communities have gotten behind um, different causes and initiatives, supporting different spaces, supporting the arts, supporting um, you know, uh, uh, restaurants, you know, have taken a real hit during this time. And restaurants are, um, a- as we all know, a lot of people in the arts work in, you know, in the food um, and beverage industry. And, and so it's, you know, it's all connected. And um, the ways that we have shown up and supported each other through this, I think, is profound and important. Yeah, I think it's um, a lot happened in the last 18 months. I mean, there was the pandemic, but there was also a lot of unrest, a lot of injustice. Uh, I think a lot of the issues re- you know, related to racism in this country um, have mm-hmm. come to a fore. And I, I, I'm generally an optimistic person, so I do hope that um, all of this, that we can look back in five years and that this presents an opportunity for us to address a lot of these issues of inequity and racism, as well as um, economic injustice. And I really do hope that real change can come out of this. Um, Mm. You know, moments like this are an opportunity to reflect, but also an opportunity to um, change. And so I do hope that um, when we look back and we talk to um, Saint and uh, to August, and we can talk about how it was an inflection point uh, of positivity and that the world is better for them because we've been able to respond to those issues in a positive way. Yeah, thank you, John, and, and thank you all. I, I can't wait to hopefully get to that more positive world. Uh, so, with that, um, I would like to thank um, all three of my guests here today. Uh, it's been so great being able to just hear uh, all of your perspectives. Uh, where can we find uh, the SACS program online? We're at www.saxarts.org and at SACSArtsPhilly on Instagram and Facebook. Fantastic. All right. Cool. So this has been Backstage at Platt House. We've got more interviews on the way, so please be sure to subscribe. If you've got the time, please give us a rating or review to help more Penn folks and performing arts people find us. Finally. Follow our pages on Facebook, Platt Student Performing Arts House, and at UPenn Pack Shop, and on Instagram at Penn Platt House and at Pack Shop 4100. I'm Jaden Klubeck, and you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at Jaden Clue. Our theme music is Retrocline by my talented friend Peter Liu. Thank you to Sarah Outing for organizing this podcast, and as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>